So I think just even based on worship, but you can kind of feel uh, the new season. We're, we're, we're moving past this, this darkness, right? You know, it's been two years of questionable, right? <laughs> it's, been, it's been dark. And uh, you, you can feel a new season. God's doing something new. Angela talked about it. We, you know, we're mo- it's something. You can feel it, right? God, God's doing something in this season. And that, that's really what we're going to talk about today. Um, one of my favorite verses for my entire adult life has been Romans 12, 2. Um, and that verse simply says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will come to prove the good and perfect will of God. And it's, it's I, I never really, I actually got it as a shirt in high school. It said nonconformist on the front. And then it's like, you know, had, had that little verse in the back. And I didn't know it was put with Romans 12, 1, which is offer yourself as a living and holy sacrifice right next to each other. So we are a living sacrifice. And then he's transforming our minds and changing how we see things. And then we will come to see God's will. And, and I think that's, I think as we're praying, I really believe that God is transforming us. I really believe it, it's a new move. Pastor was saying earlier, this could be very well the biggest move of God in our lifetime, maybe even since Acts was written. You know, like, it, it could be this huge move of God. And, and let me prove it to you from Scripture. Um, this is actually something I, I heard from a pastor recently, but um, let's talk about 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is the last days. This is the scary. This is the dark. We won't focus here. Don't worry. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Can can you agree we're here? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like... it's pretty clear, especially those uh, disobedient, the, the, we're here. You know, it's dark. And, and Paul actually says, from those people, turn away. Because really, those people, th- there's, there's nothing that can come of it. They're, they're destined, unfortunately, to spend eternity away from God, and there's nothing that can come of it. Okay, but this is why I love God. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. If we can agree that we're in the last days, yes, it's dark, it's scary, it's gross, but in the last days, Acts chapter 2 says, it shall come to pass that in the last days, God says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams, my men servants, my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit on those days, and they shall prophesy. And a couple verses later, it says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if we can agree we're in the dark, okay, sure, last day is fine, but God also says in the last days, we're going to have the biggest move of God we've ever seen. I mean, this is what we're preparing for. We can agree on that, right? Like, it, this is what God wants to do. However, I think we're, myself included, sometimes too stuck on the rock, too, too comfortable. Uh, and it's not like we don't want God to move. Of course we do. And, and I honestly think sometimes we give the enemy too much credit. It's not the enemy. We're just, we just, we just kind of miss it. You know, we just, we're just busy. And uh, uh, I found a study that kind of talks about this. Um, it, it's, we're going to talk about perspective change. 
today. Because we, we need to see the last days as spirit poured out on all flesh instead of scary, dark, you know. So uh, let me talk about a, a study I found from the Princeton Theological Seminary uh, quite a few years back, but they did a study with, with seminary students, pastors, teachers, good people, right? You know, they're, they're morally good. They're all going to heaven, sure, you know, who knows. But they did a study about the Good Samaritan, right? Everybody knows this story of the Good Samaritan stopping on the road. Okay. So they were in one building on campus, and the, the leaders told them, uh, this group's going to give a study about the Good Samaritan, and this group's going to give, or a presentation, excuse me, they're going to give a presentation about getting a job in seminary. Okay, so, and they wanted to see um, if the Good Samaritan studiers would actually help. So along the way, they told them to go to another building, but they had them go through a specific path, and on that path, they had somebody planted who was wounded and hurt and, uh, you know, moaning, groaning on the side of the road and, you know, obviously needed help. Good Samaritan, right? So they wanted to see if these people are literally talking about the Good Samaritan, they're, they're going to a place to study the Good Samaritan, would they stop? And they actually found that whether or not they were studying either thing didn't matter. Do you know what mattered the most whether they stopped and helped? Time. The leaders told them there were three separate groups. They said, uh, this group's in a big hurry, this group's kind of in a hurry, and this group's not in a hurry. And so they said, you know, you guys have to go. You're going to be late. Go, go, go. And, or you, you should leave now. You should be right on time. Or you got plenty of time, but go ahead and leave now. Right? That actually, regardless of even if they were thinking about the Good Samaritan, the people who were in no hurry, 60% of them stopped or offered some kind of help. The people who were in a hurry, 10%. And these are good people. These are teachers, pastors, preachers. You know, these are good people. I, I, don't think, I don't think they were intentionally saying that, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not like the Samaritan, ooh, dirty Samaritan, ooh, no, no, no. Like, maybe, maybe those religious leaders on the road were just busy, you know? Maybe they just missed it. And that's, that's what I'm worried about. That, that's what God has in my heart so much that we just, we're, we've been worried about us. We've been worried about how we're going to do this and how we're going to make this work and how are we going to get out of COVID. And, and, and we've been so focused inward that we're missing the opportunity. And God really needs to reshape our perspective. Not that it's so dark and scary and every Christian needs to hide and, and it's a terrible place. No, but but the Spirit's being poured out on all flesh. And what God was telling me, if just like in Acts, the Spirit came, and then thousands of people were saved because of what the disciples were saying. The Spirit was moving through people. And if, if he's moving, he's pouring out, now's the time to pour out on all flesh. How can he move except through us? And so uh, we, we desperately need a perspective change. And, and that's what... Romans 12, 2 has been so powerful speaking about. And I just have a little uh, visual, anybody is a visual learner out there, you might, might appreciate this. So just a, a little perspective. Uh, now, it's not going to be perfect, and that's okay, because I'm not perfect. So simple question. How many squares do you see? Not perfect squares, okay. 16, right? 17, wait. Wait, what? Oh, oh, 22? Wait, no, the answer is 16, right? But what about the big square? Well, that's 17. What if we did two by two squares? That's 18, 19, 20, 21. There's one in the middle, 22. How about three by three? 23, 24. And now, I, my, what was my question? How many squares do you see? Not 
how many squares did I draw, we could keep going. And, and the, the frustrating part, the, the annoying part about this is that we're trained. The right answer, Joey, is 16. It's four times four, and that is correct. Well, no, I, I'm asking you today to see things a little bit differently. We need to be looking for that 28th and 29th square. What if I said I'm going to give you $5 for every square you'd find? You wouldn't stop here. You'd say, well, those, there's a square up there, and uh, we could make the TV. Come on. Like, you'd be motivated. You, you'd want it. And this, this is what God is telling us. We, we have to change our perspective. We can't see 16 squares anymore. The things that worked before may not work anymore. The, the church that was two, three years ago is not the church we have today. It's different. He's moving. He's doing something else. And we have to see it differently. We have to see a different perspective. So let's talk a little bit about Scripture. Um, as I was praying about this, the Lord really oversimplified things, which doesn't happen very often. It's really kind of refreshing, honestly. But um, if, if we talk about an oversimplified purpose of the kingdom, I mean just general purpose. You know, let's talk about the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment. That's uh, Matthew 10. I'm sorry, Matthew 22. Matthew 22. What's the greatest commandment? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, whichever version you read, and love your neighbor as yourself. So oversimplified, really oversimplified. The kingdom of heaven is to fill us up so that we can pour out. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love the Lord my God. I shall not want. Verse 5 says, my cup then overflows. I mean, it, it's, it's simply put, we're full. We study. We love God so that we can reach out. We can pour out. You know, uh, Matthew 10. Jesus says, as you go, he's talking to his disciples, sending them out with very little instructions. But he says, as you go, preach. Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's within reach. You can get it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely give as you have received. Pour out. Now, if I was a disciple, I probably would have been like, uh, I've never casted out demons before. Don't know how. Never raised the dead. Don't know how to do that. He didn't give them detailed instructions, but it doesn't really matter because he said, pour out. Just, just, just go. Just open up. Let the Spirit move through you. Don't be too busy. Don't be in such a hurry that you miss this opportunity that's coming your way. And that, I, I truly believe, this is shaping up to be one of the biggest moves of God of all time in this season that we are living in right now. And if we're too busy or too worried, we can't let the Spirit pour out. Because we, we always need refreshing. If we always need refreshing, the analogy is like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead because it's so salty. And it doesn't pour out. Everything only flows into the Dead Sea, and it just takes and takes and takes for eternity. It never pours out. Therefore dead, right? So if we're always wanting more, God, I need receive, I need your refreshing, I need we never We never can pour out. But... Anybody who's given or anybody who has poured out or prayed for somebody or, you know, any, anything like that, done anything like that, you know that that pouring out refreshes you as well, right? 
And it's just this exciting loop that's like, oh, wait a second. That was fun. I'm going to do that again. Like, let's go pray for some more people. That was, you know? And it's, it's just this excitement that continues to refresh you as you refresh others. So the purpose, simplified purpose of the kingdom of heaven is to receive, be full, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love neighbor as yourself. Pour out. It's time to pour out. If you're somebody who takes notes and you were titling today, the title is, It's Time. Now is the season. Now is the time to speak. And it may not look like it did. It may not look like the five steps of evangelism, bringing somebody to church and now they join a group. I, I don't know. It might, but it may not. And we need to see those new opportunities. We need to see things a little bit differently. So I actually have uh, an opportunity for us today. Um, kind of unique, kind of weird, so bear with me. Um, are, are you willing to take an opportunity that God gives you? Is that, we'll find out. You know what? Let's make this a little more interesting. We'll, we'll make it motivating. Ready? I, uh, I really like blue money. It's like, it's like a work of art. It's really nice. I, uh, so I have an opportunity for somebody to walk away with this. Okay? Now, you have to be willing to take the opportunity. It might be a little uncomfortable, but you have to be willing to go for it. Are you willing? Okay. <laughs> well, that was easy. He took the opportunity. It's just that simple. Now, Honestly, we're probably going to have the best evangelism department in the city because the pastor gives away $100 bills. Let's go. Like, no, but, like, he was ready. He took the opportunity. And I, you know, I bless you with that. Go for it. Spend it however you want. That, like, that, this is the thing. God's literally handing opportunities to us. He's literally saying we're going to do things a little bit differently. may not look like you've done before. No, I'm not saying go take people's money all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But... He's literally handing us opportunity. And unfortunately, myself included, we, we just get too busy. We get too worried about the next thing. We get too stressed. And it's, again, I, I think we sometimes put a little, give a little too much credit to the enemy. Like, it's, it's not the enemy. It's just we missed it. It's just we're a little too busy. And I am desperate right now, this season, that that will not happen. That this church, this house, this, this central valley, our state, our nation, whatever you want to call it, will see God's move. That we will no longer cling to the rock in the ocean, but we'll be willing to move a little. We'll be willing to get up out of our seat and pray for somebody. What if God said, you know, on your way home, turn left instead of right? I heard a great story. Anybody who knows Johnny Smelter, he brought some friends of his to youth camp a few years back, and one of his friends was literally there because one of his leaders was told, the Holy Spirit told him on the way home, hey, go down this street, not that way. And he's like, wait, God, home's that way. And he said, no, 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 go down this street. And he went down this street, and the Holy Spirit highlighted this man. And he said, hey, go talk to him. And he talked to him and just greeted him and said, Jesus loves you, invited him to church. He came, and now that guy who was just on the street is one of their youth leaders. I mean, just this, because he was willing to turn left. Are you willing to turn left? You know, it could be simple. Are, are you willing to do things a little bit differently? Are you willing to keep looking for that 35th square? 
for 37 squares? Are you willing to keep looking? Because here's the thing, the opportunities are there. They're, they're literally like, he's handing them to you. They're right there. You just have to see it. So Lord, open our eyes. Help us see what you want us to see. And I want to talk, let's give a scriptural example of that as well. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, verse 25 through 32. This is a story I've heard a couple of times, but never really thought much of uh, until now. Um, I'll read this from, from the version I have. It says, behold, there's a man in Jerusalem. This is early in Jesus' life, right? Jesus is still young. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, wait a second. Pause. This is Luke. This is not Acts. This is before the Holy Spirit pours out. The Holy Spirit was not on all flesh. It was not for everybody yet. But Simeon was just and devout, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This is a mighty man of God right here. Powerful man. We don't know much else about him, but we know the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus in uh, to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting this, your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. What a, what a moment that must have been. What a special moment. Simeon, it doesn't say that Mary and Joseph knew Simeon. It doesn't say that. Honestly, probably a stranger in the temple, a random person who takes the child and knows without a shadow of a doubt that this is the Christ. Why? Because he was looking for him. Because he was seeking him. Because the Holy Spirit told him, look, wait, seek, watch for this kid because he's coming. And Unfortunately, the religious leaders were waiting for somebody else, right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees were waiting for the, the warrior king to, to overthrow Rome. And unfortunately, they're still waiting, thousands of years later. Simeon is not. Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew what he was looking for. And that moment, that one moment, the Holy Spirit gives him some discernment and says, that's him. That's the one. This is who you've been waiting for. And so if we could just have that Holy Spirit perspective, if we could just ask, Lord, what do you want me to see? Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say today? How can I pour out? What am I waiting for that you need to show me? Because he knew what he was looking for. And, and Church, I, I am desperate. I am desperate not to miss what God is doing. I, I am desperate. I apologize for the popping, but God is doing something huge. In our city, right here, you know, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. It's here. 
It's on all flesh. I am desperate not to miss this. And I hope you are too. Here's, here's the truth. And I'll actually close with this, Rachel, if you don't mind coming to play. Simple verse, Matthew 13, 44. Little parable from Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered up. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the entire field. Now, simple parable, not much there. Pretty easy, right? That's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to be willing to give everything so that Jesus could live in our hearts, right? Sure, and that's, that's the simple explanation. However, it was explained to me a little bit differently recently, and it changed my life. Yes, that is how we're supposed to live for the kingdom. It's true. We're supposed to be willing to give everything. Okay. But the reverse is, that's how Jesus saw me. That's how Jesus sees you. He was willing. He sees this treasure, this beautiful, wonderful, magical treasure inside of you. And he was willing to give everything, all of it, to get rid of it all so that he could have that treasure. And what's so powerful about that it doesn't matter what you've done. That means if we're in the last days, the Spirit's being poured out on all flesh, that means that treasure was for the drug dealers in prison. That he, he gave everything so that he could have the treasure of that grumpy coworker, right? That family member who just won't listen. He gave everything for them so that they could live with him. I am desperate that we see these opportunities the same way. You, if you need to be filled up, know that Jesus died for you. And you are the treasure in that field. That is you. He died for you. And now that we know that he loves us, that we know without a shadow of a doubt that he died for me well now it's time to pour it's time to pour out the least we can do he did all that for us the least we can do is listen to what he said if you love me you obey my commands my commands are love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor take care of people love 